Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Hey, hey what up? Welcome to Bishcast. Hey, don't be a little bitch. Listen to Bishcast. Hey, you want a tip for surviving out of the wasteland? Don't be a bitch. Oh, it's top, top tips. You want a, you're on tip for fucking bitches? Don't, don't be a little bitch. Bitch, why you bitch? You know? Why are you such a bitch? You want? A, is that big mutant lifting more than you at a gym? Here's a top tip. Don't be a bitch. Don't be a bitch. Why are you such a bitch? B-I-S-H Don't be a bitch B-I-S-H-F-M Listen to Bish FM <laughs> Bish FM All attempts to make you say don't, don't bear <laughs> Don't be a bitch <laughs> Sad Sergeant Sergeant Slam Sergeant who's never made it Nah, he's never Sergeant Slam is someone who's never He's a little fuck bitch if You won't Sergeant Slam guy was so fucking tough, he won't be such a little bitch. Don't see him in the gym because he's a bitch. It's gonna be a weird one. I can feel it. Yeah. Number 12 is gonna be a weird one. Number 12. Can you believe we're on number 12 already? Number 12. Podcasts. Podcasts never change. <laughs> Old meme. Yeah, war never changes is an old meme. Yeah. Until a new fallout comes back. And then, then it gets the, a then it's a then it gets a little defibrillator boost. Yeah. Do you think um Do you think when a new Elder Scrolls is announced, there will be some form of arrow to the knee? Hundred percent. I've got some invested. What? For that. What do you mean? Yeah, I've got I've kept some arrow in the knees to the in the bank. Oh, you've got like arrow in the memes? Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> took know. an arrow in the meme. I've been holding on to those for the announcement and then I'll dump those off uh, for, for a quick game. Just a quick <laughs> a quick spurt of arrow in the in the meme. Yeah, man. Jokes. I mean you gotta remember that. Like your portfolio isn't always the stuff you're proud of. Your meme portfolio. Quite a lot of it is like it's shit stuff. posts. It's shit posts, you know? Man, I don't know how I feel about shit posts because sometimes they're really good, but other times they are literally just shit. But I feel that's the whole point of shitposts. That's <laughs> the whole point. Is to just be like, hey guys, uh, here's some fart that I did <laughs> for the points. Episode 12, it's going to be a weird one. Episode 12 is going to be a uh, hell of a show if anything's to go by so far. Weird energy. Um, I'm really excited, Robin. Talk to me. Because I've been playing Switch, baby. Yeah, yeah. I got that Switch. Um... Patrick let me have a little go of the switch before we started recording, and that's then I got my... jealous. And then <laughs> I was like, "Stop touching it!" Now. Stop it. My switch. That's my first experience of holding one, using one, touching one, and yeah, it feels good, man. Last episode, I said I had to go straight to the source, mm-hmm. get one off Nintendo themselves because uh, they're not handing them out freely to distributors. No. I went to uh, I went to a branch of game, one of the very few branches of game that are left. Yeah. Um. And people are still asking about, where's my Switch? You said you'd have Switches in this weekend. This Where is a are Sunday. they? This is a Sunday. And I guess they said, we'll have a Switch in on Saturday. There's like two families in being like, oh, our little Tommy, all he wants is a Nintendo Switch. You said there'd be one. And it's like, yeah, Nintendo didn't send us any. <laughs> Sorry, pal. So 
Yeah, I should have. I don't know why I didn't. It was quite busy. Should have been like, here, you want to go to the source? Go to Nintendo.com slash Switch slash give me a goddamn Switch. <laughs> and you'll get one within the week. Because that's what happened to me. I ordered one and I think like a day after recording I got a text from uh, Yodel being like, your package is here. It was a swish. It's a goddamn swish, bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've been having so much fun on my Switch. It's really good. Um, I'm going to not be negative about Nintendo today. Well, you weren't negative about Nintendo last time. I'm just telling the you bad just, news. You were just, you know, you are being very real about them. But it was like coming from a place of love, I think. Well, I don't want to turn into one of those podcasts or shows where we're just like, ah, oh, look at this garbage. Ah, shit, this is terrible. You seen this? Look at this wasted, lame stuff. You know, there's tons of YouTube channels that just get so much, so many views out of people being negative. Yeah, I know, but like that wouldn't happen while I'm here because I'm not a negative man. And I don't like to think of myself as a negative man. I can be. It's very easy to be negative. I think that's why it's so popular. Yeah. Uh, but no, I want to be happy about the Switch. And I am, actually. Really, it's, so, it's really good. It's a really nice bit of tech. I'm enjoying it a lot. It's this the first time I've had it out of the house uh, since I got it. Uh, really only have Zelda, because all they really released was Zelda. I mean, Zelda is Nintendo at the moment. Yeah, it's the Zelda box. Yeah. Or the Zelda tablet. The Zelda tablet. Yeah. Um, and that's fine because I'll tell you one thing, Robin. It's a bloody good game. Yeah, it's a, really, really good. You had a little go. What did you think? First impressions, I suppose. Uh, it's good, man. It feels good, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it felt good. It felt expansive, but I, I really need would need more time with it. Yeah, yeah. I've I've, I've had the I've had the luxury. <laughs> I've had a I've had a good bit of time with it. Um. Just every spare minute I can, just sitting down, getting that tablet out, mm. getting that sweet tab, um, playing about with it. The controls are a little fidgety to begin with because the the actual controllers are a little tiny. Yeah, they, they feel small, tiny. but like I, as I said when I just f- first used it, felt a lot more natural than I expected it mm-hmm. to. I, it felt, really I expected it to feel weird. Mm. I mean, it's the same. It's like we said a few episodes ago when the Switch reveal was put out it's, it's essentially like holding a phone or a tablet on its side mm-hmm. but it's just a bit longer yeah um when you take the controllers off it's the same size as an ipad yeah i, th- I think maybe uh, roughly yeah yeah i'm just looking forward to more games because there's not much and the games that are out are pretty good little indie numbers i might have to do a little indie spotlight at some point i mean well you know my recommendation is hollow knight and that'll be out in switch if not now it'll be out soon I've yet to see it on the e-store. Yeah, so it might not be out quite yet, but it will mm. be coming. Maybe give uh, Hollow Knight a look. Um, Shovel Knight's on there. I've been putting off getting it because I've actually yet to complete the version of uh, Shovel Knight I bought on Steam, which is actually the... Um, there's So there's a new version of Shovel Knight out, which is like the treasure chest bundle or something. Yeah. Which has all the kind of DLC. And I just have that now. I didn't even realize. I just opened Shovel Knight just on a whim. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you have all this DLC. There's like new game modes, new characters you can play as. I got that all for free. So I don't know if I want to pay for a full game again. You know? I, yeah. Because I, I loved Shovel Knight. I really, really did. I, I've not actually played through the DLC. What did they add? So there's a DLC where you can play as a Plague Knight. Ooh. Basically, some of the some of the bosses you fight, you can play as Plague Knight and the, the Ghost Spectre Knight. 
Mm-hmm. With Spectre Knight, just little sidebar, that is one of my favourite bits of like video game music. Is like the Spectre Knight theme tune. Go on YouTube just now and just type in Shovel Knight Spectre Knight soundtrack and uh, yeah, you'll get some good 8-bit styled music in your life. Yeah. And uh, it's great. But uh, I never completed it. Hmm. I guess, yeah, you said the same. Never completed it, so I don't know why. I'd like to play it on the Switch, but I don't want to pay full price for a game that I've already got and haven't completed. Yeah. Speaking of full price, Street Fighter 2 is being released as like a super special edition on the Switch that came out on Xbox 360 maybe in 2010 Mm -hmm. for £16 and it's coming out on the Switch for a big old £35 or something. Oh man. Yeah, that's uh, just (laughs) slipped back into the truth of Nintendo's... uh, business doings they're uh yeah that's pretty rough man <laughs> pretty rough dude i mean it's, uh, i mean there's this they've added a mode where you can play basically hadouken uh bison in first person with the little controllers that's weird yeah like, i suppose that's worth what 15 quid yeah. not <laughs> oh i said not <laughs> not not i can't quite put my finger on why i can't put it down because it's not really the type of game I usually play. I haven't played a Zelda. I haven't played a Zelda game since Twilight Princess. But I think just it's the charm of it. It's like a Ghibli movie, mm. like visually like a Ghibli movie. Uh, it has a proper like orchestral soundtrack this time. Um, and it's just pretty. It's a pretty game to look at. It was very. That's immediately what I found noticeable mm. when I had a look at it. It's just very, very visually stunning. Yeah. Um, and it's by no means perfect. There's like a li- there's little niggles with like weapon durability. Like you'll f- you'll f- I mean you find weapons everywhere. Yeah. So it's not a huge deal, but like you know you find a weapon that you know you find a really cool sword. <laughs> find a real cool sword. You want to use it all the time, but it breaks. What's what's the chat with the master sword? I not found it yet. I think it's maybe lingering in the world somewhere. So like uh, so. NP- an NPC at one point was like apparently the hero of time had a master sword and it's out there somewhere and I was like well I suppose I better go find it and I did uh, very early in the game there was like a rock sticking out from the middle of a lake with a sword embedded in it Oh! I was like there it is I went over and I picked it up I was like you found a rusty broadsword that is <laughs> like, that is well like a fuck you from the developers because <laughs> yeah, it was like the first hour of the game mm-hmm. it's like ah the chosen one and I was like, nah, this is a rusty sword. But there's a huge amount of really good weapons to use. So you're constantly switching and changing up your tactics anyway because it's like spears and boomerangs and swords and... All the stuff. All the stuff, man. Um, and it's it's a huge world as well. Open world Zelda game. Like, it's so good. I mean, from all I've seen about it and all I've seen the like the amount of interesting speedruns that have gone through, all the weird physics exploits that have gone on, it just... Tells me that that's it's just an expansive experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. Um, just going back to the open world thing, like I've gotten so used with like Ubisoft games and other open world things having these like essentially towers that you have to unlock mm-hmm. to unlock new parts of the game, and they show you where all the hidden treasure is. Yeah, and Zelda has that, but it's just the tower, and you can see the towers in the distance. Like, okay, I gotta go get the tower, unlock this area, so I can see the map, but. A lot of them are really difficult to get to. Yeah. Which is good. They've made it challenging 
to get to actually get to these towers because in Assassin's Creed for example like oh it's just that church there I'll just hop up it you know take me five seconds do it and then do that's the me unlock do the next one but this one is like I actually want to do it yeah because the map is so big and it's just like single towers for like huge parts of the map so you kind of need it to see the you know the roads and where bridges are and where like basically the rivers go um but to get to them you have to either like fight loads of enemies or solve puzzles or like some of them are like taller than others so your stamina runs out before you can get to the top so you have to make like stamina boosting potions and stuff so they've made it a really interesting task rather yeah. than just a laundry list of things to do and they don't show like once you unlock them you're not told what's on the map straight away like you have to actually go and find stuff which i like no that's a good way of doing things still just gives you that level of like exploration and discovery like when we were playing it just before recording like i'd seen shit i'd never seen before yeah massive big dragon in the sky i was like what the hell is this so yeah i'm gonna be finding out what that's all about later but yeah so this is my uh, nintendo zelda excitement ramble it's good i'm gonna stop before uh before i just get waffly but i just thought i'd let you all know that uh if you have the means to and if you can find one get yourself a switch because it's i think it's going to be a worthwhile investment it's going to be quite a slow year for releases for nintendo switch wise but i think as the momentum builds and as people as developers see the potential for what switch is capable of like i think it's going to be i think it's going to be a good a good run probably one of their most successful consoles since the gamecube yeah i mean it feels like good hardware yeah it feels good which i think is something that's so important well i I am still interested because it seems that they're holding up the ds market well they just announced the 2ds extra or something yeah, the <laughs> well, after announcing the... No, it's the T- 2DS Plus, isn't it? 2DS Plus, essentially a 3DS. So the 2DS was like a slice of cake. Or was it the new 2DS? New uh, 2DS. Yeah, because Nintendo, for some reason, they're still in that phase of things being all about new. Yeah. The new 2DS, the new Super Mario Bros. Because when I got a, a, a DS, I got the new 3DS XL. Mm-hmm. Just adding <laughs> words and num- Just adding title. letters and numbers. Um... But yeah, I think the the two the two DS XL, I think new two DS, they're calling it. Mm-hmm. That's I think that seems to be the last. That'll be like the last input into the three DS mm-hmm. lifespan before they <coughs> introduce their new handheld, which they might not even do. Because the Switch see, is this is it. Why would they when they've got the Switch? Switch isn't. Well, the thing is, the size of the Switch, I don't think it's going to be like an addict. Like, it's not convenient to carry around. Like, look at this case I've got. It's like a big bulky case. Yeah. I'd need to, like... I've got to carry a backpack as well if I want to take it anywhere. I mean, it's it's nice. It's nice to have. It's not that much... It's not that much bigger than the 3D, 3DS. Is it not? No, no, man. When you look at... When I'm looking at your case that you have... Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm looking at... I'm thinking about the case, the case that I have for my 3DS. It's not that much a big difference in space. Okay. So maybe they're going to phase out the whole 3DS thing yeah. for now and just focus on Switch. Um, because the games are certainly portable enough. Yeah. Little cartridges. I didn't show you. But like it's literally like a size of a... Of like a memory... Not a memory stick. A, SD like card. A SD card. Are we going to lick them? Yeah, I heard about that. Apparently they taste awful. Do you want to lick it? Yeah, let's do a live taste test. <laughs> Mm. 
So, apparently, Nintendo have done this thing where to prevent young children from swallowing these tiny little SD cards, they've uh, covered them in a foul tasting uh, thing. On the labels? No, on the label? Yeah. Let me do it. It's mine. I'm fucking beautiful. You're gonna like it for mine. I mean, it smells How's it normal. Nothing. I'm not getting any notes. Notes of almond. And, uh, so what? I just put it on my tongue like a, like a quaver? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want my saliva to like burn through the microchip. I don't think you're, there's not a microchip in this Okay. <laughs> if I look at this gold stuff, I don't want to fucking you're melt not, it. You're not going to break. I'm not a xenomorph. I don't have like a acidic spit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you do, there's more things to worry about. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Here we go. Pop it in the gob. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That was that was immediate. Yeah, that's like. I guess it's ink. It's just a taste of like ink. Really? Like if you ever um, like licked a pen, it's just that. But all of you, do you want to? Where'd you go? We'll be right back, guys. I dropped it. The thing is, the wonderful thing about this medium is like these are really robust. Yeah. Like stupid, stupid robust. I know, like, like Nintendo are back to cartridges. Yeah, that's lingering. Like, even now. Oh! <laughs> that's crazy, right? Oh! It, like, really stays. Yeah! Oh my god, that's horrible. Yeah, like, what is that? <laughs> like, who thinks of that? Who thinks to do that? Apart from Nintendo. But it's a very good. Oh! It's a very good idea. I mean, if I was a five-year-old boy, I would not be swallowing it. Oh, that looks tasty. Nope. Sorry, kid. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Oh. Don't put a Switch cartridge in your mouth unless you're dared to do it on a podcast. We weren't even dared. That was like pure science. Yeah, that was for science, ladies and gents. Oh, hang on. i got to switch this. <laughs> switch it off. Um, it still works. Still works. Ugh. I mean, I've not started the game right. I'll put this away. I mean, we've really shared something there. Yeah. Got you've... a new switch. Both like Zelda. It was licked. I liked the game so much, I tried to eat it, <laughs> and it denied me that pleasure. How many hours do you think you're gonna get out of it? Like, I'm think I'm thinking maybe like Skyrim levels of hours. That's good. Skyrim or like Bethesda, like Bethesda time skills, because. The thing is, the old Zelda games are very linear. Yeah. They like, do this, 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 you're done. Um, although, actually, that is one thing I would say against it, is that, so Link wakes up from 100 years in of, of like, uh, cryogenic stasis or something. Right. It's weird. And he's got amnesia, and people are telling him, Link, you're the hero of Hyrule, you've got to stop Ganon. And, like, you have a... Dialogue options like saying yes or what, but I thought it'd be really interesting if you could just be like, mm, nah, I'm just gonna do my own thing. Like if it was a proper like Bethesda style thing where it was like, I've got amnesia, I don't remember this, why the fuck do I care? Um, so you get this list of things to do, and I say, like, okay, so you're in this open world, you gotta go find the Zora, you gotta find the Gorons, you gotta find the weird bird people, and you gotta find the uh, Gerudos. Yeah. And you've got to kind of, uh, you've got to kind of activate their. They've got like giant robot monsters. 
that they used to fight uh, Ganon, who's like Calamity Ganon. He's like a big old, uh, like he's just like a big giant black ghost. Yeah. Um, but it's like uh, it feels almost like because it's open world and it's not linear like Zelda used to be. There's this whole thing is like Ganon is almost ready to pop. He's gonna attack and take over Hyrule at any second. Zelda is in Hyrule Castle, warding off his power. She's been there for a hundred years. It, waiting for you to wake back up till you're ready to go help her but it's an open world just uh, do these things whenever you get the time well this is it's such it's a strange balance that they haven't really met it's it, I find this is just this isn't just the fault of Zelda this is the and fault of all open world genre yeah because it's like oh um, in, in Fallout in Fallout 4 oh you need to go save your son oh but first you need to build a 10 million settlements and go like I don't know but uh, ride a mutant or like in in um, Oblivion you're like oh you need to cl- close all the Oblivion gates and stop the cut- the end of the world and you're like nah mate I'm going to be a thief for a while well I'm, and that's the comparison I was going to make with Fallout at least with Fallout you got to save your son but you get given steps to do so so it's like where's my son oh the Institute has him so you find out about the Institute well, the Institute are a hidden place. So now you've got to build a teleporter. But to build a teleporter, you've got to hire people. So you've hired people. Now build a teleporter. Now go to the Institute. Now learn the t- plot twist. And now deal with that. Whereas Zelda, it's like, here's all the information. Uh, just do what you want with it. I mean, Zelda's going to kill us all eventually. Just Zelda. <laughs> Ganon's going to kill us all eventually. Uh, just when you got a minute, could you go uh, kill that boss? It's like, oh, no. Quite like this horse, though. <laughs> <laughs> this giant parrot monster is playing the accordion. That's pretty cool. Um, but the narrative doesn't feel stunted because of it. I just thought, as you say, with a lot of open world games, that's the problem. Yeah. I think I've said that about Red Dead Redemption before. Yeah, you did mention yeah. that. Yeah. Is that like, oh, I've got all this to do, but um, I want to pick some flowers. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Got to pick flowers and race horses. Um, yeah. Right, okay. Shall we end the Nintendo talk there? Yeah. Yeah, do you have more to talk about? No. Hi guys, I'd just like to thank you all for listening to the Don't Go Outside podcast. And as a gift to you, to as subscribers and part of the family, we'd like to offer you the opportunity to join stainedapron.com with offer code Don't Go Outside, hashtag We Eat Mutants. Now, with that offer code, that'll get you part of Stained Apron, who'll send you out the most putrid and out-of-date meat that you could possibly imagine in nice weekly oversized portions every single week, along with a recipe that's been printed on the back of the flayed skin of a dead raider. Now, myself and Patrick have been subscribed to this service for a good number of weeks now, and I have to say, it's been one of the best things we've ever done. Me and Segway have got along great just trying to cook these meals together. Gutting uh, an, a live animal that Stained Apron has sent us has really brought us together as a family. So I would recommend that you go on Stained Apron, see what they have. They have a huge range of products, huge range of man meats that you can try. And that's uh, don't go outside, um, hashtag death, hashtag uh, don't eat humans, hashtag humans are great to eat. Um, please enter that in. That would help us a lot. Robin, why are you doing your uh, your YouTube voice? 
I, I just felt like I, sometimes you got to do Are you, just, are you shilling Mad Max's bad me again? Uh, well, you know... You know, I'm still really ill from that <laughs> from last week. We got the delivery last week. I've, I'm only just now off the toilet. Well, you gotta... You're here, I find you shilling their weird... <laughs> Guys, have you zoned out? During our Nintendo and Zelda ramble, we're back. Um, welcome back. Robin is going to tell me what he thinks of... Well, you finished Taboo. Yes, uh, I did finish Taboo. I think the last time we talked about it, you just started it. Yeah, I had. I was started, just starting it, and I wasn't actually that sold on it. Mm. Um, you know when you spoke about it? Yeah. Lost episode. The lost episode. These guys don't even know. Uh, they never will. They never will. But... Unless you pay ten ninety nine per month on Patreon. Go on to www.squarespace.dgopodcast.com and type in the offer code what the fuck's going on with Taboo. <laughs> slash Crunchyroll slash... <laughs> uh, yeah, so Taboo, you watched Audible, Taboo. Audible too. Yeah. Audible, yeah. Um, yes, I finished off Taboo. Um, and last time we spoke about it on a podcast that everyone listened to, um, I wasn't so sold on it. I thought it was pretty good, but I wasn't... I wasn't so sold. Um, yeah, I really, really like where they went with it. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Shall we move into spoiler territory? Or um, yeah. Yeah? Because yeah. I guess we've got to talk about what happens at the end. The things happened in the last episode. I think I maybe mentioned to you... No, I didn't. This was someone else I spoke to. This is perfect. So, <clears throat> if you yourself at home are watching Taboo or would like to watch Taboo, we're going to go into... Spoilers, just for the final episode, because mm-hmm. what, a, what a final episode it was. What an episode. Yeah. Um, sister. Aye. Jumps off a bridge, kills herself. Nuts. What a what a crazy lady. Uh, yeah. I mean, that whole plot line of her just being infatuated with him and trying to, like, you know, she murders her husband. Yeah. Like, she's having crazy, like, Tom Hardy spirit visions. Spirit they sex. Have, they have ghost sex. <laughs> Spirit ghost sex. Yeah, I, I mean, it really, really got into the supernatural stuff, which I thought was great. Like proper, yeah. like the supernatural stuff is real, is happening, because a lot of the show, I think what I was trying to say before, is so grounded. Mm-hmm. I use the term political intrigue, but what I meant is like it's just grounded in reality, and this is what happens if someone comes out of the blue, trying to claim his father's land, which is already contested by two other. Governmental factions. factions, but he's also got like magical, weird voodoo spirit powers, <laughs> and then they deal with that in a way that's like, oh, he uses them to have sex with his sister. <laughs> that's all he does it. That's as far as I could tell. That's all he uses it for, just for just for banging. But yeah. I mean, if I was a magic uh, Tom Hardy, a weird crazy guy, I'd use it to maybe have weird demon sex with people. <laughs> you know. It seems to really get them... They seem to really be into you after that. Yeah. Must be something to it. But I thought... Um, I was really happy with how they ramped everything up. Yeah. Um, and how they just continued to make Tom Hardy even harder throughout the, the mm, course. Tom sort of Hardier. Like, yeah, Tom Hardier. Um, how they made his character even more ambiguous. And be like, oh, is he, okay? is he okay? No, he's not a good man. That's what? the thing. Every character in this show is awful yeah. like they're terrible people but you really want them to win yeah like uh, they're sailing on, they're literally sailing off into the sunset in the last shot and you're like well they're gonna go do that thing in the Bahamas I guess well where are they going they're, well they're going to Nootka Sound aren't they they're going to Nootka Sound but to get to Nootka Sound it's on the west coast of Canada 
Yeah. They're going to an island in the middle of the Atlantic, which is owned by... did some research on this. Because with shows I really like that are set in like the past, I do loads of research. Mm-hmm. So they're going to an island in the middle of the Atlantic, which is owned by the Portuguese. Yeah. And Tom Hardy knows a guy there. And they'll get like safe, safe harbour. Literally safe harbour from the British Empire. But then they got to sail south, round the bottom of South Africa... Oh yeah, because the Panama Canal. South doesn't South exist. America, yeah, not South Africa, South America. Panama, 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 Panama. The Panama Canal doesn't exist. So they've got to go all the way down and up around. So I think the next season will be like mainly on a ship, <laughs> maybe on that tiny island, Portuguese island. Yeah, I'm excited though, because he's got all the good guys with him. Yeah. All the shit characters just kind of got killed off. <laughs> They really just cut out the fat. Be like, these are the characters that are working well. I mean, I mainly just want to see Tom Hardy and the big hard gangster lad. Yeah. Do hard gangster stuff. He's in stuff. Is that not... um, With the tattoo on his head? Yeah. He's like... Is he not... No, he's a serious actor. He does stuff. Yeah, I've seen him in stuff. He's in the video for... I Remember by Dead Mouse, I think. Hmm. Have you seen that video? Yeah. He's telling the guys about having like a warehouse party. Hmm. it's that guy yeah but he's also in like I think he's in like a bunch of like proper like cockney like lock stock films and stuff like that seems like a real Guy Ritchie actor speaking of Guy Ritchie seamless uh, segue here. what a segue uh, King Arthur is that Guy Ritchie that's Guy Ritchie okay because the last thing Guy Ritchie directed was Sherlock Holmes Robert Downey Jr. Shut up. That was ages ago. Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes. That was the last guy, Richie. Game of Shadows. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah. One uh, where Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I was obsessed. Robert Downey Jr. I was obsessed with the first one. It was a good film. So, so good. That's like one of those films that I'll just like watch if I've got nothing else to do. You know, kind of just sitting in my house being like, I'm going to watch Sherlock Holmes again. Game of Shadows, I've only saw once when it was in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good. They hired the guy, you know the slow-mo guys? The YouTube yeah. channel, slow-mo guys? They hired one of the guys to that to basically be D.O.P. Wow. There's lots of little sequences where it's all like, where they're running through the woods and there's bullets being loaded into rifles and shot at them and they're exploding off of trees. That was like one of the, you know, you've watched slow-mo uh-huh. guys, right? They just blow things up in slow-mo. I really like them. Good yeah, lads. Yeah, good lads. One of them works for Rooster Teeth now. You should watch uh, slow-mo guys too. Slow-mo guys too. Like their second channel. Oh yeah? Because he explains loads and loads of stuff about um, like slow motion like filmography. Mm-hmm. It's really, and it's, he explains it really, really in depth and really well and takes time over it and it's really fascinating. Cool. Like, and the videos are like 10 minutes, 15 minutes plus. Nice. So highly recommended. Do that. I will do. Well, it <clears throat> took me a while to get into your last recommendation which is Nerdwriter. Oh yeah, and uh, Nerdwriter's really good. Yes, yeah, just a really smart man. It's like, oh god, you're smart and you make beautiful videos. Like, oh come on. Yeah, he's like too. He's, he's a break. Too talented. I know. He's handsome as well. Hundred. He is he's handsome. Just sort of like, why are handsome, you doing so well? <laughs> handsome, smooth voice, makes beautiful videos. Smart, ethical. It's like, oh god, fuck you. It's like the, the his narration style. He talks about just in the shell. Little bit, one sentence. At a time. Two words. What makes this a really beautiful scene is the nature between contrast 
and reality. That's <laughs> so accurate. Yeah, that's kind of how so you, accurate. That's I just I love him. I think he's great, but that's like you could parody that so easily, just that voice. Yeah. But I've it's gotten, like it's like it's it's like a lot more smooth though. A lot more smooth. What happens in Nolan's Batman? It's a lot darker than Tim Burton's. Because the Joker is Heath Ledger. <laughs> <laughs> that's nerd writer for you yeah man. but that's actually really got me into the world of uh, video essays they're good which I absolutely love by the way it's really useful for the course that I'm doing yeah because I just watch video the essays the thing is like there's a lot of shit ones <laughs> there's a lot of shit but the thing is like see once uh, if your YouTube algorithm's like dialed in quite well and mine's is actually so I'm quite lucky because I, I watch a lot of like really nice um, s- nicely edited like cooking videos and <laughs> so and i watch like nerd writer and stuff so this the new video essays i get recommended are always like really well cut really beautiful mm. um i don't get the shit um yeah but the world of video essays like there's just a lot of good stuff um, yeah. like i've considered getting into it me too yeah like big time yeah we could we, we could Together on this. DGO, DGO uh, essays. Because I was, I was working on a project called Bleed the Gaze. I don't know if any of this should make Bleed the Gaze? Bleed the Gaze. Like, as in G-A-Z-E? No, as in gaze. Why do you want to bleed them? Because I want them to be able to give blood. And oh, yes. I thought the campaign name, Bleed the Gaze, because everyone will go, what? Exactly. Like I just did. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, outrage, man. Outrage spells popularity. No one ever got poor from outraging people. Exactly. <laughs> Apart from, I'm sure that's a lie. <laughs> so I, I've got like this huge, draw, um, not Dropbox, uh, Google Docs uh, document that's just got all of my information about Blade to Gaze. Like mm-hmm. I even did a draft script and everything. Cool. Do um, it, man. I know, but like I don't know how to make a video essay. <laughs> um, it's easy, right? You just get clips of Christopher cool. Nolan films and talk really slowly over the Nolan films. Well, I don't have any problem talking slowly into a microphone. I mean, I, d- I do that quite a lot. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I just get footage of uh, Inception or The Prestige or The Dark Knight and just talk about uh, giving blood. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what all the video essays I ever watch are about Nolan films or Tarantino films. Yeah. Sometimes anime. But, uh... There's some good anime ones, actually. Yeah, the Ghost in the Shell one's good. We are uh, we are just spiraling out of control in this segue. We got to bring it back. Um, uh, where are we bring back to? We're bringing it back to my favorite topic: Ooh. Total War Warhammer. There is there. I think there's a segment about Warhammer at uh, Total War in half of our podcasts. Well, it's coming back. Yep. Do you know why? Tell me. Total War Warhammer Two. Three? Don't you mean Total War Warhammer Two? What am I talking about? Because there was one of these released recently. Mm, well, the announcement trailer came out for Total War, Warhammer 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it like that because <laughs> it's a bit of a tongue twister. Um, yes. So, Creative Assembly. Um, they basically had a... like on, on YouTube, you can do basically live stream videos. Mm-hmm. For ages, they're famous for doing essentially historical Total War games like Rome, Shogun, Medieval, Empire, Total War, and um, a lot of the Total War uh, fan uh, fan base was like, "Oh, they they want to do a historical uh, Total War again." 
let's have it. I don't want this Warhammer nerd shit. <laughs> Whereas all the Warhammer fans were like, ah, oh, where's all the Warhammer stuff? You've only scratched the surface with the lore. Um, so they released this video, which was like a live, essentially like, I don't know, I don't know why they bothered to make it live, but it was basically just a live video shot over a jungle, yeah, a rainforest expanse for miles with like a like a little in the mist, a little hint of like a Mayan temple sticking out of the trees, mm-hmm. and the live chat was going crazy for like three days. This was up for three days, like total war, not a total war announcement happening in three days, and the chat was going crazy. Like between there was like some weird war between the Warhammer fans and, like, the historical Total War fans. I don't want this Warhammer bullshit. I want war. This is going to be Aztecs and Conquistadors or something. And the Warhammer people were like, no, it's it's lizard men. It's totally going to be lizard men. Guys, and then there was just all this weird troll shit happening. It was amazing. Uh, And then on the day, they released a trailer, and it's Total War, Warhammer 2. Lizard men in the jungle with some elves and shit. It's gonna be great, Robin. I can't wait. I haven't played a total. I haven't played. Oh, sorry. I'm right. I realize where I'm confusing here. You're confused. I'm confusing this with 40k. Yes, because um, there's a new 40k. Dawn of War three came out. Which my mistake. Also looks fantastic. Apologies, listeners. I was uh, my my Warhammer knowledge is not up to scratch. I'm sure they'll forgive you. Sorry, because nobody likes Warhammer. Anyway, please go on. <laughs> Apart from about me. Warhammer Total War two. Total War. Warhammer, Warhammer 2. 2. The thing is, Warhammer Total War rolls off the tongue a lot better than Total War Warhammer. Yeah. But for some reason, it's called Total War Warhammer. Anyway. Anyway. So it's lizard, lizard men versus elves. Lizard men. So there's lizard men, elves, and dark elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, set in this whole new continent of the Warhammer map. Uh, Total War Warhammer the first was uh, this main big was one big uh, continent with mountains all down the the east side and this has opened up the east past the mountains get this this is a sequel with a huge map three four new armies because there's a fourth secret one which i'll get into in a minute but it acts as an expansion to the first so these are these are symbiotic you can can play them together so it's a sequel but if you have the first one, you get like hundreds now. Oh, like, uh, that is how you do it, man. It's so good. That is really exciting. As like someone who's been into Warhammer vicariously. Yeah. Basically, I've been into Warhammer living vicariously just through like going on the website every now and again, looking at models. But that's really cool. I wish I could afford this hobby. Um, as someone who's kind of just into Warhammer and the lore of Warhammer, putting all these all this together like basically a dozen armies of different races like is really exciting and the fact that this is the f- this is a pretty much a first for any strategy game to make your sequel pretty much like a big expansion pack the first yeah that's cool man that's a good idea i like it yeah so um so if you have the first one you'll have if you have well if you have the first one on all the dlc cuz like the way they've been working with their dlc it's been a bit it's been a bit sketchy because I'll be like, here's this new army, but you got to pay like 30 quid for it. Like the best example of that is they uh, released like a blood expansion pack, like basically a blood and gore. So their base game doesn't have blood and gore. It's just people fighting each other, hitting each other with swords and falling down. Whereas this 
for two pounds, you can pay for blood effects and body parts. Really? Fair enough. Yes, yeah, that was pretty sketch. That's rubbish. Yeah, I've not paid for it because, like, why the fuck would you? Like, why bother? Yeah, but that should just be in the base. Should game. just be in the base game. A patch, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's gonna be fraught with like weird DLC like that. But the base game is exciting. You get loads of free DLC. Like yeah. you got new dwarf armies, new orc armies. You got like a new vampire army. Um, but so far that's been released for Total War, Warhammer One, is like uh, Britonia Empire, Wood Elves. Beastmen, orcs, dwarves, and vampires. So that's like seven races. And then add on to that four new... That's like ten... Ten or eleven... That's a lot. Factions you can play as in one game. And then... Considering they've released... New... Uh, you know... With the base... With the first game they released all these new races just... As a surprise. There's bound to be more. Like this is going to be huge. Yeah. Like Total War Warhammer is going to be massive. Like, aside from the historical faction. Which I think there's going to be more historical stuff to come. But I'm really excited. As someone that hasn't played Total War Warhammer for about five months. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm going to get back into it. Back in the hype. Well, I think I might need to save up for some new processing processors and graphics cards. But I'm in. Yeah. Definitely in. Um, so, you said about the fourth race. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah. Can I speculate? Yeah. Chaos? Oh, Chaos are in it. Oh, uh, yeah, no, Chaos are in it already. Chaos were in the first one. They were actually, they were part of the uh, pre-order bonus. I like Chaos. Like, yeah. I don't know very much about Warhammer, but I really like Chaos. Chaos are good. I think they're awesome. They just romp around and fuck shit up. No, well, that's it. It's <laughs> like, because like, I really like, because everything else in the Warhammer universe feels really seedy to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, uh, it, it just seems like they're all seedy. Like, they're all out for their own ends, and I don't like it. Whereas Chaos are just like, yeah, we just want to fuck everything. We yeah. want everything to be wrecked. Well, that's what I feel. That's how I felt about the orc faction. Is they're just like big green barbarian bastards who just rock around and smash yeah. things. But they have their own sneaky little ambitions as well. Whereas Chaos are like, we're gonna destroy the world because we want to. Yeah, I like that. But they were a pre-order. I like that purity of vision. Yeah. They were a pre-order bonus for the first one. Mm. Okay, so who's the contentious fourth unannounced then? Skaven, a race of rat men <laughs> rat who live men. underground. The thing is, uh, people who are fans of Warhammer know it's Skaven. Because there's a little teaser at the end of the reveal trailer. Where it's like a little rat with shiny red eyes. Who like, you know, he crawls over like a... a, a, a he crawls over like a shield or something and he like screeches at the camera. And we're like, oh, Skaven are coming. Hooray! Because they're a really interesting uh, race in the Warhammer lore, in that they're, in that no one in the in the world of Warhammer believes in the Skaven, despite the fact that they're like a race of billions of like horrible rat mutant creatures that live underground, and they have this massive city, and they will just swarm up from the ground, engulf a city, collapse it, and that city will be gone. But the normal person just doesn't know about it. They just hear these stories of like like basically they're like kids' ghost stories. Like, behave, or the rat men will come and get you. Really? But they're, like, horrible, like, really, like, <laughs> awful. Like, basically, just think of the worst type of rat you can think of, but in man form. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, they're so cool. So that's, like, the fourth race. And there's been loads of videos being like, and tell me about this fourth race. Oh, we don't know. What's that rat about? Oh, it could be anything. But, like, Warhammer fans are like, it's going to be this game. 
and it's gonna be cool bro can't wait um but yeah i'm just i'm just excited like war it's one of those games where i play for a bit i don't play to complete it i just play to see what every unit does yeah like oh this cool catapult does this these i just like to it's just i just use it as a big sandbox yeah i love it so is there base building in the total war games um not base building so it's like it's like a turn-based strategy mm. so if you've ever played a civilization game right understood it's like you take over a city and you upgrade and build the city and build that's like a hub for your armies and you move your armies around the map uh so it's not like sort of like okay now you have to build a granary now you have to build a barracks uh, and you have to protect defend the barracks it's just um it's just here's a city defend the city so basically there's a big world map and you move your generals around the map. And when yeah. two enemy generals come together, that cuts to a smaller map, which is like a little region, and there's two massive armies fighting against each other. That's how it Understood. works. Yeah. I recommend it if you have the means um, to get... Even like uh, Shogun Total War was like the first one I played before Warhammer. Yeah. Which is like, it was, ba- it was basically Feudal Japan, which is a really good setting. Sengoku Jitai. Yes, that one. <laughs> which is the warring states period weirdly I know quite a lot about the single could you die the thing is feudal Japan is a really interesting place yeah. I think it really works for the total war setup because power is shifting and changing well, yeah, all the time it's because it works for the total war setup because it was total war Yeah, everybody really was, was yeah. fighting everybody mm. so yeah so that's total war warhammer um, Total War Warhammer 2 I'm looking forward to it Lizard Men and Skaven like really interesting concepts for fantasy races like a race of ancient dinosaurs I do like their fantasy races yeah like it's basically you're playing as an army of ancient dinosaurs who are protecting like portals to the nether realm like whereas the elves want to use them for their own and the lizard men are like no we gotta protect this here's this giant frog who does magic protect him he's the boss literally a giant toad that sits on a throne and shoots lasers at people whilst like t-rexes run around and munch people whereas it's just like elves are just elves yeah like lord of the rings i will protect you sire here i come it's like no here's a t-rex wow <laughs> i love it absolutely love it whereas the skaven as i said horrible dirty filthy rat people <laughs> which are just like the most evil evil race of people that you can imagine are they like, evil evil as fuck so I went on to you can go to the Warhammer wiki if you're anything like me and a huge nerd um, and just read about all the races and the Skaven don't really have a societal structure other than they all worship what is known as the horned rat which is essentially just this uh, deity that encourages them all just to backstab and kill each other at every possible moment (laughs) (laughs) they're just like here you're all out for it on your own just you know they they don't have any sense of uh, they don't have any sense of lore, because the individual is the most important thing. So it's the, the equivalent of being like I don't care about anything that's come before me. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to fuck over everyone I can. Yeah, but that, how can that function as a society? It doesn't. It's chaos, man. That is chaos. True. Yeah. It's just it's literally like this rat is the most powerful one. I'm going to follow him until it and get to a point where I can maybe take over. Wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah, evil. Love that. Love that. Can I go for a quick pee? Yeah.
Because I feel I've done a lot of talking this episode. I think this is the most talking I've done on an episode yet. You've done well. I've gotten very excited and now I have to pee my pants. Hello. Hello, I'm John Rear. I'm John Rear here again. This is my old man voice. I'm feeling it more this week. Feeling a bit more like myself. Uh, I've been wandering around. Um, and I've seen that the trees are not as green as they used to be. They are burnt out trunks and branches. And uh, people seem to enjoy eating one another a lot more than they did when I was alive in the, in the 90s and 60s and 50s. <laughs> this random decades have popped in and out of existence. <laughs> Damn weird is eternal. Damn weird! Is some kind of eternal genie that pops up when society needs him the most. <laughs> and I'm here again to report to you all the things that you might like to see in the wasteland. Like here, this mighty hawk vulture thing has been picking at this uh, poor mutant's carcass for weeks now. There's somewhere mutant can live off uh, <coughs> a vulture can live off a mutant carcass for at least. Six weeks, if it's lucky, if it doesn't get just chased off by cannibals. But there you go, this is John Weir again, or Tam Weir, I can't decide <laughs> who I am, or where I've been. Goodbye! <laughs> so I also have some strategy chat, actually. Yes? Well, one of the main reasons I haven't been had all that much talking to do this episode is I got really, really ill. Really, really oh, shit. ill. I was... That radiation poisoning. Uh, I was more or less bedridden for like three days and it was really rough. Um, I know, is this because we got that free subscription to Stained Apron? Uh, it's probably Stained Apron, but Stained Apron's great, guys. <laughs> if you can avoid the poisoning. Um, you know. Um, anyway, so I got super ill and I couldn't do anything. So I wasn't going out to see films. I wasn't... Um, even uh, like it was to the point that I was like full on fevering in my bed so I couldn't even focus on things that's the worst so the only thing I could find that I could like focus on that I could drift in and out of was strategy games of Age of Empires 2 nice so I watched hours and hours and hours of high level strategy games for Age of Empires 2 oh so you were not playing you were viewing just viewing just watching these okay just, uh, just zombieing out. And, my God, people can really play that game. I mean, it's been out for a while. Like, people are... Because, like, people have started casting it again. Because, obviously, they got that big re-release on Steam. Oh, yes, um, yes. So, people have started casting it again. And, like, folk are really good. Because, mm-hmm. first, I was watching, um, like, just general commentary. And it was, like, someone who would view... Like, someone who wasn't playing, who would view and show you highlights and stuff like that. But then once I was actually feeling a bit better, like I could concentrate, I was viewing the actual player streams. And my god, the level of control these guys have over a map yeah. is just nuts. They must be doing like like 10, 20, 30 clicks per second. Like just all over the place. For an Age uh, of Empires map, that's Insane, nuts. just yeah. absolutely insane. Um, and it's very hard to like describe it without actually watching a couple so you yeah. get to grips with what they're actually doing. Because um, it was once only once like I started getting a bit better and I was like wow, like and starting to process the amount of like keyboard shortcuts they're hitting, the amount of like just awareness they have, yeah. 
and like the high level strategy that's going on against each other because it's like not only is it's like chess like they've done one move I need to do another move to go against it it's like they've done one move and I need to have the ability and the like compass mentis to to execute a counter move just re- really impressive really impressive yeah. um but I doubt I'll ever watch them again. No, I'm like I'm not ill. <laughs> uh, but that's, I got really into that for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I I like watching people play strategy games, um, especially real time strategy because I'm I, with real time strategy I struggle. Yeah. Because my uh, just my brain doesn't work in a way. I was like, this is happening quick, 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 quick. Turn based is good because I can be like, okay, this player's done this, so I'll just that's why Total War is almost perfect. Well, the 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 planning stage of Total War, just with all the generals, that's kind of why it's perfect. Because okay, so this is happening here. I'll just move here, build a few bases, and then when the battles happen, sometimes I flounder because yeah. there's strategy going on. <laughs> and I just want to throw people at the enemy. Just meet, take care of it, just get it done. Um, which is I like to what I like. Uh, I've been watching uh, playthroughs of uh, Hearts of Iron. Oh yeah, four, which looks really good. Uh, like a, it's like a World War Two simulator, essentially, where you pick just pick a country, pick a country, and go through World War Two and see how you do. I guess that's literally it. Um, you can like change history. Like you can be, you can be like a fascist United Kingdom, take all the Commonwealth down with you. Um, that's very, that's very interesting. It's just ultimate universe at this time of. Oh, this time in history. Didn't realise I was being political. <laughs> no, but it's interesting to kind of see sort of like an alternate yeah. uh, an alternate World War Two. How things could have gone, should have gone, should not have gone. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think Strategy James. Strategy James? Who's that? Strategy James. <laughs> I'm Strategy James. <laughs> I'm Strategy James. You show me a StarCraft, I show you a victory. StarCraft? Yeah. HD collection coming out. Really? Did you know that? They're no, releasing a, they're doing an HD uh, collection of all the StarCraft games. That'd I do like StarCraft. Like, uh, see, I only ever played two. I like ludicrously complex RTS. It's like, I like I like to have too many units, you know? Lot, tons of redundancy. Yeah. That's what I like, man. That's what I like too. That's what I, um, like, I used to play uh, Star Wars... Was it Empire at War? Was the... RTS, it was like Age of Empires, but just with a Star Wars yeah, skin. Yeah, I, I can't remember it, but I know the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and I just used to build giant bases of Wookiees, and just send them towards the. I end just thought that was time. great. I love, I love that stuff. Yeah, but yeah, I made a return to Factorio. You did, because um, they recently released a new patch that has nuclear power in it, which is super cool. Is Factorio still in early access? Is that why it's a patch? I don't know, actually. Because it seems to me like one of those games like Prison Architects that was in early access for years. And it was a very playable game. Yeah. Much like Darkest Dungeon. It was very playable from beta. Like, it was almost a full game. They just wanted to perfect it. I feel I, like Factorio may be the same. I've got no idea, actually. Yeah? I've got literally no idea. Just when someone says patch, I'm like, alright, they're still um, working but, on it. But anyway, it's and it was amazing. Um, I've just been playing it, and I got I installed a long reach mod onto it, which allows you to just access more stuff in the map and makes okay. just increases increases playability. And like, oh man, last time I got into that, I dropped something crazy, like sixty hours. Yeah. In a month, so I think I'll probably end up doing that again. Nice. Pretty good time. Say goodbye to Robin. 
Bye. He's off. Cool. Um, can I talk about uh, something that's not speculation or excitement for, or just uh, just something I watched? Two yeah. things I watched. I'll start with the simple one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk a lot about the DC animated universe on yes, this we podcast. Do. We do actually. Um, and I watched the latest installment. Um, just last week, uh, Justice League Dark. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it uh, does. <laughs> it does sound cool. It does sound cool. Um, so yeah, Justice League Dark. Uh, it's where the latest entry in the DC kind of animated, uh, cinematic, Warner Brothers, Disney's, Star Wars, <laughs> Lucasfilm, Harry Potter's, Harry Potter's animated universe. Um, which uh, I think we've spoken about before. Uh, Flat. Uh, the Flash Time, what's it called? <laughs> Not the Flash Time Paradox. Flashpoint Paradox. Flashpoint Paradox. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, this basically deals with uh, the supernatural mm-hmm. and how that kind of factors into the DC universe. Oh, this is the one with Constantine. With Constantine. Oh, yes. Is and it I'm, as good as... And I'm going to talk about Constantine at length. Ah, oh, yes. Um, so it starts off um, people are essentially being possessed by demons going crazy murdering people Superman stops a man from murdering his wife and children mm-hmm. this man believes that his wife and children have been replaced by demons um, Wonder Woman uh, s- stops a crazy hit and run rampage on the streets of Washington DC a woman goes crazy thinks that demons are attacking her and just drives her car all over the place runs over a bunch of people um wonder woman stops her be like what have you done you've killed all these people you're you're seeing demons or no the woman's like i'm seeing demons but now they're all people dead people batman uh encounters a woman uh who wants to throw her baby off the top of a tall tower because she believes that the baby is like a demon devil and she sees it as a little demon she's gonna throw it off um, she jumps off with the baby Batman falls catches the baby not in time to save the mother the mother dies so the Justice League have this big meeting and they say uh, people are seeing demons everywhere this is crazy right Batman come on demons what's going on uh, Batman says well I deal with a scarecrow and I deal with insane people all the time this is just people being insane Superman's like yeah but you can't deny that People all over the country are seeing demons. Maybe there's a supernatural element. Batman says, You want supernatural? Go talk to John Constantine. He gets up and leaves the room. Cut to Batman in Wayne Manor. He's like shaving his face. He sees like a little ghostly image that makes him cut himself shaving. And then it says Constantine on it and the steam in his bathroom mirror. It's like, hmm, this is strange. He goes to his bedroom. He sees Constantine written in blood all over the walls. And then so then Batman thinks, well, I suppose I better go talk to John Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole movie is based on Batman being like, demons aren't real, go talk to Constantine. And then be like, ah, you know what, Constantine? You're probably right. So Batman follows John Constantine, uh, who, for people who don't know, I suppose, Constantine is like a demon hunter, demon fighter. Badass demon killing dude. He he basically wears like a, a big, uh, like a film noir detective style long smoking jacket. He's an uh, English guy. 
he hunts demons. He plays poker with demons. He does deals with the devil. All that stuff. He knows. He's basically like Mister Strange. Smokes loads of fags. Yeah, he's like loads. Of he's fags. like Fanny Beast style level of chain smoking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would put Fanny Beast to shame. I think. Yeah. So he's essentially like, I guess he's pretty much the Doctor Strange of the DC universe, except he's just a cool. He's just a guy. He doesn't have a big. I have like a motto and a giant flowing cape and he doesn't yeah. float around and do spells. He's just a guy who smokes. I'm like, I don't want to kill demons. I just want to get drunk. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but he's just an English guy. He's this, the guy who vo- who does his voice. It's the same guy that did Edward Kenway in Black Flag. Interesting. The same guy that I learned plays Constantine in the live action TV show that failed called oh. Constantine. And he shows up in, uh, in the Arrow TV show as Constantine. There you are. Uh, he's an American actor though, so his English accent is all over the place. You can't tell if he's Welsh, Geordie, or Cockney. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. But still, it's good. He's an enjoyable character. Uh, Zatanna is there also, who is like a magician, mm-hmm. like with a top hat and a bow tie. That's always fun. She's a lady. She's got like uh, fish, fishnet tights on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a ghost guy who's like a who's like used to be a trapeze artist. He's now a ghost. Because he's dead. He's dead. He died. Someone, the mob, shot him halfway through a trapeze act and he fell to his death. Uh, You get that bit of backstory in the show. The show, in the film. Uh, And Batman just follows them around while they hunt demons. And honestly, like, it's hilarious. (laughs) Good hilarious or bad hilarious? Well, I can't, I don't know if it's supposed to be like this. Well, it is actually. Because there'll be huge moments where uh, Constantine delves into... The guy who was trying to kill his wife and children is in hospital in a coma, strapped to the bed. And Constantine, I need to go into his mind and see what he's up to, see what's going on. So him and Zatanna go to this guy's mind, fight a demon for a while, and Batman's just standing at the hospital bed, being like, literally just growling. (laughs) I can't do anything about this. There's like a giant um, poop demon. Like some like some demon possesses like the sewers in the hospital yeah. and makes a giant like sludgy poop demon to uh, attack the hospital and Batman takes it out with a defibrillator machine um, but still eventually gets locked out of a portal so he's left standing there just looking like fuck. <laughs> so a lot of the movie is just Batman reacting negatively to like supernatural things whilst all this fantastic stuff is going on around him that he can't see because he doesn't have access to this third dimension. There's a point where Constantine is talking to, um, essentially, like, Dementors from Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, this man is dying, so there's these these ghosts around him who want to take his soul to the underworld. And then they all crowd around Batman, and they're like, Batman, you have escaped our grasp many times. We will be there for you one day, though. We wait for the... He can't see any of this. Yeah. And Constantine's like, Oh, man, they like you, Batman. They're just hanging around you. Uh, it's just little bits like that. It's just like, why is... Like, Batman's pretty much useless in this story. I That's think quite good to make Batman impotent. That's... It's really interesting to make Batman impotent, but I feel they might have done it to sell the movie. Really? Well, because the Justice League aren't in it. It's called Justice League Dark, and they're not... They're not there. If, and it's only Batman. The Justice League are in it for the first five minutes. Yeah. And they're in it for the last five minutes. Uh, Swamp Thing's in there too. Just to throw a... 
Swamp Thing in there. Throw a Swamp Thing in the works. <laughs> um, it's just a lot of magic. It's like a Doctor Strange story, except Batman just, you know, sometimes one of his mortal gadgets is like, we never thought of using real world tech. That worked. And he's like, of course it worked. I'm Batman. <laughs> it's like, okay, nice one, Batman. See you later. Um, We're off to, like, do a commune, pal. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, so Justice League Dark is, is good. It's... It just, I don't know, it's not like essential watching, but it is quite enjoyable in the way that it's like, oh, here's Batman just putting up with things. How good is it compared to like Flashpoint Paradox? A Flashpoint Paradox just smashes it. Because I thought Flashpoint Paradox was just uh, amazing. Flashpoint really Paradox good. is really good. Uh, Justice League Dark is fun. Fun. You know, it's just a fun I watch. can take fun. Yeah, it was honestly, I watched it because I heard it was coming out. I watched it because we talk about DC animated stuff on the podcast. We do. We and do. I was like, oh, this will be good. I can just add to the add to the pile. I'll check it out. Yeah. Actually, speaking of DC animated, um, mm-hmm. I started to watch uh, The Killing Joke animated. Yeah, good. No. No? Did you watch it? No. It's not good. It's actually really bad. Um, Wasn't that the amazing comic book? Yeah, the comic book that everyone raves about that yeah. I've not read. I've not read either. It's apparently amazing, uh, but it's called The Killing Joke. It's apparently how Joker cripples uh, Barbara Gordon. I was going to say Streisand. <laughs> yeah, <the laughs> By Joker. shooting her in the spine. Uh, she cripples Barbara Gordon by shooting her in the spine, turns her into Oracle. Um, but I watched, it's like an hour and a half. Like these things, these animated features aren't long. Like an hour and a half, two hours at most. So it was like an hour and a half long and I got about... 50 minutes into it and the Joker hadn't shown up yet hmm. so I was like this is the killing joke you're just basically following a mobster around who keeps getting basically this mobster has multiple assassination attempts on him yeah and it's like well, where's the Joker Batgirl is in university she falls in love with Batman Batman doesn't really give a shit. They have sex on the rooftop. Whoa. Yeah, is that supposed weird. to happen? No, it doesn't happen in the comics. People kicked off about it at comic because they showed a... Isn't Batgirl supposed to be like way younger? Yeah, she's uh, she's Lieutenant Gordon's star. Whoa. Yeah. Batman shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, I know. That's why people kicked off about it. And initially when I heard about it, I was like, well, you know, people adapt stories for the screen, whatever. But then I saw it and I was like, yeah, this is weird. It's creepy uncle ter- territory. It's creepy man. uncle territory and... Uh, Batgirl is like, oh Batman, I love you. You're you're so mean to me, but I can't resist you. I'm gonna have sex with you on this rooftop. And Batman just, <laughs> Batman just lies there. Okay, <laughs> I am Batman. I do not care. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. So I kind of stopped watching shortly after that because I was like, there's no Joker in this. Batgirl is being irrational and stupid. Batman is also is being creepy and weird. <laughs> <laughs> Batman is Batpedo. <laughs> Yeah, so the killing joke—you can check it. I didn't finish it because mm. um, I was like, "This is a waste of time." Yeah. Okay. I can, um, I can so it. it's a bad. Considering that's, considering actually, that was supposed to be Mark Hamill's last sort of swan song as the Joker. Didn't even didn't even get to the point where Mark Hamill's in it. Cause he's great. He's amazing. I love Mark Hamill's Joker. He's my favorite Joker. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I didn't even get that far. I was like, nah, you know what? This is garble. Garble. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. Uh, watch Justice League Dark instead. It's silly. It's fun. I like silly and fun. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of silly and fun mm-hmm. superhero films. Oh yeah, I watched a very silly, fun superhero movie. That was it's our topic of the week. Shall we move on to our topic? I think it's high time. This has been a this has been a big one. It's been a big one. Um, our topic of the week is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. We're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Two spoilers, guys. Um, as we always do with every. As topic we always of the week. do. Um, so here on in out, watch the film. Spoilers! Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. Let's just get it out of the way. What did you think? What was your verdict? Love it. I love it too. Very good. So for anyone that doesn't know, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 follows pretty much directly on from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. Some time has passed, but not much. There's been a couple of years, I think. A couple. Like, I feel like it's probably been the amount of time since the last yeah, Guardians movie. Like time has happened, but it's, it's, fairly, it's fairly recently after. And it follows the story of the Guardians... And it follows our main main character, Peter Quill, finding his father and the story behind him. Um, they have a massive, lots of massive space battles, escapades, and generally everything's fine in the end. There's not many... That tends to be the way with Marvel movies. <laughs> everything's fine. Um, but it's like, there's no... That's why... They work together. The simplicity of the plot is why I like Guardians of the Galaxy so much. You think, well, the plot was... Simple, but more complex than a lot of Marvel other Marvel movies. Mm. So, um, tell me, what was your in-depth thoughts? What, would you, what do you think? What do you feel? I feel weird for saying this, mm. but I think it was too funny. Okay, you're going to have to <laughs> unpack that a little bit. Okay, here's, here's the package I brought. It's a big cardboard box that says, too funny, <laughs> on it. Right. So James Gunn is a very good director. Very good writer. He's well. He he wrote um, he wrote Nice Guys. He wrote Belko. Belko. The film I didn't finish. Nice Guys. Talk about last week. Yeah. Still not come back to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish it. Um. Yeah. No. He's 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 a very funny guy and witty. But like, and I like that Guardians of the Galaxy is like a funny movie. Yeah. I like that it's a jovial separate entity from the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But there were times where it felt like too spoofy. Mm. Like, I don't know. It sounds weird to say that. I'm not bad mouthing it in any way, but it was like just points where it was like, where, I don't know. It's difficult to explain. I feel like I I'm being. Too, I feel like I'm being too grumpy. No, I know. I know this. what you're trying to say. Uh, like, I know what you're getting at, and I know how it could come across this way. That's almost like. It was trying too hard to, to be funny. I think points but, were trying... Yeah, exactly. But it, it, I don't think it was that. I actually think... Because I, I thought this halfway through. I genuinely thought, oh, is this making too many jokes? And it was like... You know, it's not the film that's wrong in this case, which is it's a weird thing to say. It's... Um, you just have to reset your estimations. Guardians of the Galaxy is a very different type of genre. Yeah. It's Hancock. It's a comedy superhero film. True. Like, com- like, and I say that in that order because it's comedy first. Yeah. Like, um, when you go in with a Marvel mindset, you think, oh, it's going to be a superhero film. But you do that because with, of the Marvel movie. Obviously. <laughs> but you go in thinking, it's going to be a superhero film with light aspects, with comedy aspects. Yeah. Whereas, like, this is the other way around. It is comedy first and foremost. I mean, some of the best physical comedy we've seen in a long time. Like, it's funny. 
really funny stuff. It's a funny movie, um, but I just, I guess, I just, as you, I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, it's like I think this is less a fault of the film and more a fault of our combined expectations that have been set by the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far. Yeah, because it's not even the fault of the 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 promotion for this film. The promotion for this film makes it look like a comedy. Yeah, yeah. True. It's like it's almost like we as a watching public didn't believe it. We're like, no, it's still just a it's a Marvel cinematic universe. There's film. gonna be an infinity stone. Yeah. They're gonna have to battle a big thing but it's and someone's not, gonna die. It's, it's a dumb, silly film that has superheroes yeah. in it. Like but the dumb silliness is first and foremost, you know? Yeah, and it's weird because I very much enjoyed dumb silliness and it felt like kind of almost Austin Powers ish. In, yeah. its spo- in its spoofery um, and I really enjoyed it but I, was, I think it just it just kind of I, it just caught me off guard yeah <laughs> I was like what is what are these jokes like it's one punch man style sort of like <laughs> yeah. literally where it's like I'm good ever since I was a little girl Thanos has forced me to fight and replace my body with robot parts and I swore I will avenge him and kill him with my last breath and the guy's like Wow, I just thought you were gonna get like a nice tiara or something. It's <laughs> yeah, like, it's like that is that is honestly like One Punch Man levels of like just goofiness. It's brilliant. It's really good. I just the thing is, it makes the emotional hits so much so much heavier. So, mm-hmm. um, Blue Dude, Peter's uh, Peter's dad. Uh, Yondu. Yondu. So when Yondu dies. That's the most affecting death I've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's probably also the only death. Because here's my problem with the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. No one ever really dies. There are no stakes. Ever since um, Agent Coulson came back to life in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no stakes. Loki's died, like, twice. Yeah. Um... People keep dying in the Marvel Universe and coming back to life. Uh, Nick Fury got killed, came back. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There are technically no stakes because people don't die. Whereas now they've introduced the death as a real factor, like Yondu. Fair enough, he's not like one of the superheroes. He's he's just a guy. Fucking cool guy. What a character. Awesome. Love him. Daryl Dixon. Yeah. Meryl Dixon. Um... (sighs) But do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. I what feel you mean. it's weird because when all these massive things are going on, it's like everyone will be fine. You know, everything's going to be fine. Whereas in comic books that they're based on, in the comics, in the comics that they're based on, people die. Yeah. Um. So I feel that's something that Marvel maybe need to introduce into their into their franchises is the, is the threat of of death. Not to be not to be grim or anything, just to be like so you have something to be like, oh shit, what are they gonna do? Something's gonna happen, otherwise they're gonna not make it out of here. Well, it's like, I d- I don't know. There just needs to be more emotional stake. It's actually well, this is something that I think Guardians of the Galaxy has kind of pulled off in Spades, because obviously the death of Yondu was amazing, but also like just little stuff like uh, when Yondu was uh, floating down with the arrow. And, um, <laughs> yeah, Mary Poppins, uh, yeah, and he's like, um, and Peter laughs at him, says, uh-huh. "Oh, you look like Mary Poppins." Uh-huh. And then um, he's like, "Who's he? Is he cool?" Uh-huh. And Peter's just like, and it's like the interaction between the two characters, and Peter's like, "Yeah, 
Yeah, he's cool. Yeah, because he like, wants Yonder to feel cool. Yeah, he wants Yonder to feel cool. And uh-huh. it's like, it was just such a sweet, like, a sweet, pure moment. You yeah, know? it was nice. And it's like, think of think of another Marvel film. Another Marvel film that had that level of emotional connection. And that's just, that was a stupid joke. That was a dumb Mary Poppins joke. Uh, and it had that level of emotional It was weight. improvised, apparently. Really? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> See, that's brilliant. Yeah, I think... They're comfortable it's, enough with James Gunn to just let him do because of because Guardians One was so successful. Yeah, just do what you want with it. Like that makes me. I don't know. It makes me wonder what Ant Man could have been like. Keep going back to Ant Man. Ant Man was good, but if if they just let Edgar Wright do what he wants, you'd yeah. have had like an Ant Man two on the. I mean, there is an Ant Man two on the way. But yeah, I thought Ant Man was a bit of a letdown, if I'm honest. But it's because they fucking chopped Edgar Wright out of the equation, yeah. you know. Very. <laughs> Back to Guardians. It's like, just so much of it. It's like, I think because... Because it's a comedy first, it just allowed it to do much more. Yeah. yeah it no, allowed I... it to be much more free <laughs> and do a lot more as as a film. And it's like, even to the point, it's like, when I was thinking about it last night and, and before we obviously did this recording, it's almost like they used the... heard the race of golden people. I can't remember the names, but yeah. Uh, it's almost like they were using the race of weird golden people as a mockery of existing Marvel films. So it's like, these are all perfectly um, perfectly genetically made for their purpose. And they were all just boring and weird and yeah, rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> and like, the least charismatic people on screen. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. And I I don't know, I might be reading too much into Uh that, but it's like, um, I I thought that was very funny. I think it was maybe like that, but also also like, this is what you're expecting to see. Yeah. Like, just a serious race of aliens who are just pissed off. Yeah. Whereas what you actually get is like a fun, jaunty movie where Kurt Russell is funny for a while, (laughs) and then he just turns into a bit of a monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And I liked Kurt Russell. It's weird with... um, I was watching a good casting by the way. He really does, good casting. He really looks like his dad. Yeah, because I was watching uh, what's the name? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. Wow. Uh, recently, it's really really good movie. Funny film. But like, I was watching it with the girlfriend, and she's like, "He looks like a. He looks a bit like Chris Pratt. He is a bit like Chris Pratt." I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. And then he got cast as Ego. Really. Living Planet. I was like, ah, because yeah, he is. He's honestly like. Chris Pratt is like the this generation's uh, Kurt Russell, I think. Hmm. He very much like Kurt Russell, and it's just the way he acts and the way he reacts to stuff. You got to watch stuff like Escape from New York's a bit serious, but like Big Trouble in Little China is like if that was made today, that would be. I can honestly see them doing a remake with Chris Pratt. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Chris Pratt could carry that. He was pretty much that character in Jurassic World, only just in a different scenario. Yeah, he was actually. <laughs> like, you know, in a not as good a film anywhere near. Not, but I, I like Jurassic World. Big trouble, trouble in Little China is an absolute masterpiece, man. <laughs> I don't want to say masterpiece. Masterpiece. It's wonderful. It's like, it, come on, it turns like, it's just, it turns racial stereotypes on their head. It makes fun of like white cinema goers. It's brilliant. It's a yeah. wonderful piece of cinema. True. Um, yeah, because like you have, it's just a segue on Big Trouble in Little China. Did you ever notice that like he Kurt Russell's not the main character? 
It's filmed to make it look like Kurt Russell's yeah. the main character, but it's not. The way it's filmed is it's it's filmed as if this is how a white audience would perceive these events, but he's not the main character. The main character is the other guy, the the Asian chap who actually does all the stuff. That's true. He's yeah, the yeah. main character. Um, but it's filmed to like show you what white people see. It's like it's so many levels deep. Like Big Trouble in Little China is an absolute. It's, it's great, great film. <laughs> I may need to rewatch it. Like seriously, because someone said I, I what I think I watched a video essay about this actually, <laughs> and then I rewatched it. Big Trouble in Little China is perhaps the most accurate description of a white person's view of a martial arts film told. From Curse Ruddles. Curse <laughs> Ruddles. Curse Ruddles. Point of view. Um, but yeah, so I'm serious. Give it a rewatch, man. I will. I will. Um, so, Batista. My main man, Batista. Man, Drax was happy in this movie, wasn't he? Well, no, Drax just showed emotional range. He in was this having film. a good time. Well, no, because not all the time. Cause He's was- laughing. He's laughing, he's joking, he's having a good time, but it's like, it, he just stole the show from me. Yeah, uh, I he thought was he was very the funniest good character. And it's like, the fact is, it's like, it was brilliant because it was like, it's easy to think of him as like, just, oh, I'm just a big hard lunatic. And then in the, in the first film, mm-hmm. then the second one, oh, he's just the, he's the joke character. But then there's that scene where the empathic alien touches him and then just start, like, bursts into tears. Oh, yeah. Because she, she feels like, because his wife and kids still died. Yeah, that he's still happened. lots of murder in his past. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just... The emotional range of this film just is so much greater than any other Marvel film. It's so much. Another level of it. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I, I would agree. There's a, it's like the tone... Like the tone is just right in a way that it makes you feel good and helps you sort of ease into the sadder parts. Mm-hmm. By layering a little, just a little, a little icing on top of that cake. You know, just like here, here's a. I don't know where I'm going with this analogy. <laughs> you know, here's a little sadness, but here's also a little sugar to make it better. Just yeah. some feeling behind the stoic. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's it. It's like it's not like you're just being constantly pounded with like this is the most serious thing. No, this is the most serious thing. No, this is the most serious thing. Although all that said. About seriousness, I still think The Winter Soldier is my favourite Marvel movie. I do like that, because it was essentially a spy film. It's a fantastic spy movie. It's a spy film. So good. But it's, I think it's... I think Guardians and the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and Captain America The Winter Soldier are probably the two best films that have come out of this I would say Marvel Cinematic Universe. The Guardians of the Galaxy series and Winter Soldier. Because um, they're just... The fact that they're so contrasted. Yeah. But are set in the same universe. This Brilliant. is crazy. Who'd have thought? Uh, there's also God. We've got to make the point that like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Um, if we're going to talk about threat levels, like fucking Dragon Ball Z fans, um, Dragon Ball uh, Dragon Ball Z Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was the biggest threat to the universe of any Marvel film. She so actually affected the planet. Yeah. You know when that's so like, when Kurt Russell. Cursed Ruttle. <laughs> Cursed Ruttle. <laughs> when Cursed Ruttle, uh, he started... So that big weird goop came out of the ground. Yeah. I was full-on expecting Iron Man to like to show up in his suit uh, to be like, 
don't worry guys like you know because like the police are there being like there's weird stuff coming out of the ground everyone back up I honestly thought the Avengers were going to show up yeah and be like don't worry guys we got this and that would have just I think that would probably from a fanboy perspective maybe would have made it perfect that would have been great perfect I kind of expected something along those yeah. lines because even Thor Ragnarok is coming out which I'm so excited for I'm really pumped very excited for Thor Ragnarok more so than I was for Guardians 2 I was expecting because it's kind of the same space setting mm-hmm. it's definitely the same space setting now uh, I was expecting like uh, some kind of little crossover not a crossover but just a little like passing through you might get it one way so you might get it the other way so the Guardians might touch into Thor Ragnarok well there's the scene where you know where they're warping through all the gates and yep. they're going crazy there's a scene where they flash through and there's some big monster fighting someone there's like a punch and I think part of the, specu- the speculative part of me thinks that might be so there'll be a scene in Thor Ragnarok where he's fighting a big monster and just a spaceship will be like bloop and I'll be like what the fuck's that yeah. if that is it then I'll that'd be great I will cry <laughs> I will cry tears of solid joy but sorry back to what I was saying about the threat level thing. yes yes it's like it, it is something that's amazing and it shows the weight that this film can carry that out of all of these very serious Marvel films out of all of your um, Avengers, uh, I'm f- stopping the world from dying because we're all a bunch of mega guys. Um, mega men. Yeah. <laughs> and Doctor Strange's, uh, oh, I'm going to stop the Earth from getting consumed by this big, scary old god. That was a that was a cool threat level. It, no, it's that cool. was they're, like, they're all cool. But yeah. the point is, the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 threat would have wiped out the Milky Way. Like, yes. That would have killed it all. Yeah. So up to to this point, that is the largest threat. And it was stopped by a bunch of idiots. Which is such I just think that's such a brilliant foil to the whole thing. You know, it it just makes light of the entire universe. The fact that like, okay, so you need you need bloody big great big Captain America being all tough and the Black Panther and you need Iron Man and all these mega dudes to like fight off the bad things on Earth mm-hmm. and like you know what none of it would have fucking mattered you just need a giant it, none of it, man none of it would have mattered if the giant Pac-Man and the fucking raccoon didn't manage to fight off David Hasselhoff like yeah. it's just like it puts everything in this brilliant like context and when I look at it more from a more philosophical level it's almost like this film is a microcosm of like just the stupidity of life in general yeah, like, yeah. there's no point in being serious about anything because we all die and nothing matters just have fun yeah like that's really like what I think this film's doing because it's it, it's making light of these other more serious films to make you more aware of the fact that like yeah okay we can enjoy things differently because they're different things and that's good yeah I just think it's a very clever film I think it's really clever really happy with it yeah I think the big Pac-Man is kind of what I was saying about things being too silly I was like does it have to be a big Pac-Man though I mean it was a callback to being like I'm going to make a giant Pac-Man statue and stuff but I don't know. Think about what it would have been otherwise. 
two big fists fighting each other. <laughs> That's literally, I was like, I don't know, like a giant fist. Yeah, it would have been dumb. That, like, that would yeah. have been equally dumb. Like, yeah, no. The I thing just... is, that wouldn't have fitted into Chris Pratt's character but either. If the giant Pac Man would have been. It's good, but I think it would have worked better if there was more of a. If there was more of a uh, a build up to it, mm-hmm. he mentions Pac Man once. But if there was like a scene of him being like, "Man, I used to play this game Pac Man when I was on Earth. It was brilliant." No, I think one touch was enough. Do you think? Like, yeah, I I hate it. I really hate it in films when they're like, "Oh, we're gonna do this thing." Hint. Oh, we're gonna do this thing. Hint, hint. It just reminded me. You know what it is? I think it might be negative association because when I see giant fake Pac-Man in a movie I think of Pixels yeah they'll do and I think that just it just triggered me (laughs) I was literally triggered I was like no (laughs) Adam Sandler's made his way in (laughs) Adam Sandler's in he's made his way in you know who did make his way in tell me fucking Rocky Balboa himself (laughs) Sylvester Stallone's just in the Marvel Universe who'd have known he just shows up when I read about the post credit screens uh huh. So that group, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, they are the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> just like shadow drop. Here he is, Stallone, just hanging I, out. You know what? I'm, and you know what? He is perfect because he looks like an alien. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Here's my here's my uh, secret dream, right? That I'm gonna put alongside on the shelf alongside our uh, idea for a Boba Fett, Guy Ritchie, Quentin Tarantino esque crime film. Yeah. Um, is I would like an Ocean's Eleven style rot, uh, um, theft film based on the original original Guardians of the Galaxy with Sylvester Stallone. It's happening. That's that's gonna happen. You know that Stinger's like, let's go steal some shit. You telling me that's not gonna happen? Yeah, but in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, you had a sting about the fucking Howard the Duck. We're not Howard the Duck's in Guardians too. Yeah, we're not gonna have a fucking Howard shows the... up on the sex robot. Planet. We're not gonna have a Howard the Duck film though. By the way, call back to Westworld. The Ravagers live on a planet of sex robots. They don't live on that planet. They go there for sex with the sex robots. <laughs> Yellow sex robots. I totally would. I, yeah, they're pretty nice. I mean, it, would, it would be weird. But, you know... The snowy sex planet. So? I mean, they're made for... Yeah, let's not get into that again. We talked about that on Westworld. Yeah, we did. It was an extensive chat about sex. Yeah. Because um, that seems like Westworld to the point was like, okay, people are only having sex with these robots. <laughs> <laughs> let's just make them sex bots. Um, what else was I going to say? The Thor, Ragnarok, uh, Stallone. Yes, Stallone in it. Jeff Goldblum. I'm looking forward to Goldblum in this universe, man. You have no idea... Yeah, I love Jeff Goldblum. He's a good lad. So much. (laughs) He's pretty good. I can't wait to see him in Thor. Uh, I'm excited for Ragnarok. Um, Okay, what I would not my one down point. Well, actually, I have two. I have a couple down points, but my main down point was actually with the cinema itself and not with the film. Okay. So this is the first time this has ever happened to me for a cinema experience. The EQ was off. The sound equalization was off. Okay. They hadn't had the bass turned up anywhere near enough. And the mid-town tones were super high. Mm-hmm. So it was like this really weird sound experience in the cinema. I was like, no, oh, this is just, this is not right. Like, I'm aware this isn't right because I have some, I have some capacity to understand what sound is supposed to be like. Yeah. Like, and there was no rumble. There was none of that. And I was like, oh, that's a bit shit. So I think I might actually go back and see it again. See it again. Um, I'll see it again. 
But my actual criticism, my only little criticism, I don't think the soundtrack was as strong as the first one. I think maybe trying to recapture the magic. Yeah. But it's still good. I guess it's decent. There's some good tracks on there, but it's like... It's that Suicide Squad problem. I've trying to recapture that lightning in a bottle. Mm. Um, there's some good... There's some times where it works. Like, um... Can't even remember the song. It's probably why. <laughs> so when uh, Yondu and Rocket are have escaped, and they're killing people. Oh, that's a cool scene. And then the the music that backs that. I can't remember the song, but that was a good good bit of music to the back of that. Uh, it works. Yeah, because it's like, oh, do you have some of Peter Quill's music on this ship? Like, yeah, we love that shit. <laughs> Everyone loves old music. And like the Zune player yeah, was like, oh, this is the height funny. of human technology, a Zune. <laughs> it's like all cracked and dusty. Uh, it's funny. Um, I was half expecting like, because of because the movie had been so spoofy and funny, uh, when he listened to the Zune, I thought it would be something like some weird, like, you know, early 2000s hip hop. Yeah. And he'd be like, whoa, what the fuck is this? <laughs> But it was like a really serious moment between um, him and Groot. Baby Groot. And baby Groot. Baby Groot, who star of the show. Uh, um, no. <laughs> best uh, star of the opener. One of the best openers I've seen. Yeah, really, that was that like was that was opener. equivalent to like Deadpool. Yeah. You know, like I, I thought it was going to be the Deadpool freeze frame throughout the whole thing, but it yeah. was worked really well because it was just like there's all this crazy shit going on. Groot's just dancing through it. Um, which I wanted to talk about um, how that entire movie reminded me of uh, the Jack Kirby like artwork of like this of the kind of seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. where it's just it's just not even sci-fi; it's just science fantasy now. It's just yeah. cosmic, like just psychedelic. Like it does doesn't the science doesn't have to make sense. This yeah. is just space. Like, they can explain it all this in... This magic space It's stuff. just space. Like, there's a giant weird slug monster coming through a portal. How does that work? It's just space. Like, uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And Ragnarok, Ragnarok, going back to that, seems to be just continuing that sort of, like, 80s, 70s, like, psychedelic space aesthetic. Well, it's not... It's like... Rather than sci-fi, it's more like space fantasy. Science fantasy, like I said. Yeah. Like, and I... Some of my, like... It seems to just everything. The concept artists just seem to be looking at old like science fiction novel covers from the seventies and eighties, yeah. old like uh, Boston uh, album covers, and being like, "Let's do this!" <laughs> like it's amazing. I love it. That's so good. I like, think it's great. Yeah, it's just it's just stoner sci-fi. Well, it's bright just... colors, ships flying around. I like man. You don't need to be a stoner to like bright colors. Like I'm. I've played games for a very long time, and see when I get some bright colours, I, I lose my shit, because it's not just brown and grey. Yeah, there's a lot of brown and grey in there's video games. There's so much brown and grey. Yeah. But do you know what I mean, though? It's literally just, like, psychedelic 70s. Oh, yeah. I think the soundtrack adds a lot to that as well, because I think this is the influence we've got from this music, and now it now the album covers for all this music influences the visuals of the movie. Yeah. Because the ending credits, it was like a... The ending credits... Wow, what best set of credits I think I've ever seen. Really good, best not, Marvel credits since Iron Man three. Yeah, just Fine. incredible. Yeah, 
Um, beautiful. And I like how the credits got more jokey the longer they went on. Yeah, because it's like... Because they know people are sitting around waiting for the, for the stingers. Yeah. Like the little uh, mid-credits bits. It's like, well, just make it fun to watch. There's like little bits where the Guardians are dancing around. Yeah. There's like a whole... There's like a Guardians of the Galaxy theme tune, which is like reminiscent of like the Star Wars disco theme tune. Yeah. It's great. Very good. A very good movie. Would go outside. 10 out of 10. Best best film. 100 out of 100. Best film, best film. I think I've drank more on this podcast than I have ever. You, you drink normally. You've drank more than you normally do. Um. <laughs> so, Robin... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, starring Rocket Raccoon, Drax the Destroyer, Gamora, Star-Lord, and Baby Groot. Would you go outside for this movie? Absolutely. Hell yeah, I'm going back. This is the furthest outside I have gone on any podcast for for some media. Yeah. Um, I think it's better than Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. Weaker soundtrack, better film. And I would say... No, it's my favourite Marvel Cinematic Universe film. I wouldn't say it's my favourite Marvel... I wouldn't say it's my favourite MCU film. Mm-hmm. It's, it's better than the first one because just some of the sequences were given time to breathe. Like Rocket setting loads of booby traps in the wood. Oh, God, that was woods. beautiful, wasn't it? Um, bits like... Uh, like I said before, uh, Yondu and Rocket just murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was great. Just some good, just some good, solid cinema. So would you go outside? Yeah, man. I'm gonna go back outside. All the way. Watch me go. I'm going now. So that was that, ladies and gentlemen. Um, don't go outside. Episode twelve. We are still here, still alive, still watching media. Still rocking and rolling. Um, which is a good time. It's a good time. Bloody good time, especially if you watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Um, Best so, Marvel movie of the year so far. Of, yeah, of the year. I Spider-Man high Homecoming. Hopes, high hopes for Spider-Man Homecoming. High hopes for Ragnarok. High hopes for Black Panther. Is this year? Black Panther? Is that all this? I think that's all this year. I, well, the thing is, we know nothing about Black Panther, which I think is the appeal. I, the actor is so cool. So cool. Yeah. He's just a cool guy. Yeah, true. Anyway, regardless... Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being with us yet again. Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook. Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we got an Instagram page. We've got emails. You can contact us. We'd enjoy that. Contact us at dgopodcast at gmail.com unless you're a spam mailer, in which case, don't email me. That'd be great. <laughs> Email us and recommend us things to watch. We might even watch them and talk about them on the show. And if if you... Rec- I'll give a guarantee right now. If you recommend something on an email for me to watch, and I watch it, and I like... I will talk about it on the podcast, and I will see that you recommended it. I'm very glad Patrick said that, and, and I didn't. Why? What would you say? I make no guarantees to anyone. I'm going to be like, here, Johnny Johnson here, he recommended I watched... I finished watching The Killing Joke and what a mistake that was. <laughs> thanks, Johnny Johnson. Well, thanks again, guys. What a wonderful podcast this was. Um, higher energy than uh, our season uh, premiere, episode 11, in which I was just washed out and tired. It happens. 
It happens sometimes. You get you get a little yeah, you get a little bit of wish wash sometimes. Let's let's sign this fucking let's sign this motherfucker off. And as always, guys, don't go outside, or you might get triggered by a massive pixel Pac-Man. <laughs> like I did when I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, two Adam Biden. Sandler's Madam Adam. Marvel Cinematic Universe, Lord of the Rings Part Two, The Hobbit, Harry Potter's. Uh, Adam Sandler man I saw an Adam Sandler film yesterday those films are just an excuse for him to go on holiday now well he makes money off them then they're high, really highly grossing it's I need because a piss, so I that's, really that's have fucking, to be bye guys bye, bye.